Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Sterner, play action, looking, pumps, throws down the middle, touchdown, Arkansas, oh my! Clint Sterner is brought to you by Chris Crane Hyundai of Conway. Sterner throws, Visit them in Conway today or check out ChrisCraneHyundai.com. Play fake, Sterner steps out of trouble. Wow. To a oh. wide open receiver, it's Cobb. Towards the end zone, touchdown. Hello, Clint. How are you? Fellas, I, I'm, I'm doing well, man. If I've uh, if we've got a little speech issue going on, I got a, I got a numb bottom lip. Just left the dentist uh the dentist office, and I got, uh, I'm got. i working with about with my top lip and about half my tongue right now, so mm-hmm. bear with me on this, boy. <laughs> yeah, I've used first it. Timer. Hey, first time I've ever had a, uh, a, a cavity field, man. Ever? Ever. Good work. Uh, I've used that ever. excuse before, too, Clint. I'm like, oh, no, I'm not drunk. I was at the dentist. Don't mind me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, hey, man, if I didn't have the wife and them two babies at the house, I, I would uh, get to worry about me, but them days, I think them days of, of the boss man, Acre, worrying about those those situations for me are out the window, brother. Well, thank God for Pat. Anyway, all right, Clint, so <laughs> let's talk. I kid. Let's talk about, uh, real quick, I want to mention that we got three former Razorbacks who are going into the Arkansas Sports Hall of Fame. Obviously, speaking of Pat, another Hall of Famer, but Peyton Hillis, who's had, uh, boy, quite a, quite a life career and had a very crazy year, too. Jason Peters, who we all know is a no-brainer to go in, and uh, and Ryan Mallett posthumously going in, which also seems very strange to say. Uh, but anyway, that's a, that's a pretty good collection of talent right there. Yeah, look, man. I mean, that's uh, look, Ryan Mallett. I mean, that what what a what a, a great decision um, by by the, the the hall the Hall of Fame to put him in quickly after at one. Most importantly, obviously, he he. Had a career that he deserves to be to be in, and uh, but but a lot of times, you know, they the, the hall and, and these situations wait several years before they decide to do it. But um, what what a what a great decision, what a great celebration that's going to be uh, of Ryan Mallett. And then, as you mentioned, I mean, Jason Peters. How about a guy that played tight end in college, goes to the NFL, and is arguably one of the best. Uh, tackles in the game for, I mean, what's he been in the league now? He's still playing. He's still backing up. I saw him go in. I can't remember who he's with right now. Seattle. Uh, but, he, 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 yeah, he got, yeah, that's who it was. He got, he got some run for Seattle against Dallas. Yeah. I believe it was when I was watching that game a couple weeks ago. So, um, yeah, man. And then Peyton Hillis, obviously, not just his, you know, his game at, at uh, his career at Arkansas, but also being a, a Conway product, man, that was uh, – he obviously had a hell of a run, and, and all three guys are, are very deserving, no doubt about it. All right, well, let's talk about the Cowboys game uh, from yesterday, Clint, and seemed like a pretty good statement from Dallas that they are among the NFL's elite without question. Yeah, I mean, look, that, that was a – that was start to finish. That was a that was an ass-whooping they put on <laughs> on the team that I thought was, was the best football team in, in – the NFL this year, uh, you know, leading up to that ball game and, and uh, consistently talking about putting a, you know, a 12, 13, uh, you know, game strict sample size. I, I would say that the, the Philadelphia Eagles were, were the best football team, maybe the 49ers, and the Cowboys are right there knocking on the door. And, and uh, boy, the Cowboys 
you know, they, they did they did work last night. That that was impressive. You, you look at them right now, whether you're talking about defensively or you're talking about offensively, it's about play caller, you talk about the quarterback, the weapons, um, being multiple in offense, using the quarterback the, the right way when need be. I mean, the, the Cowboys have put up a very strong case for – uh, being the best best team in football right now, I, I think I think them and and like we like I said, I think them and the 49ers right now are probably the the best two teams in football. Baltimore obviously right there with them. Although I'm not as as sold on, on Baltimore as I am the other two football teams, but uh, boy, what what a night for the Cowboys. Wes, you got to be stoked now. Man, I am. That that was a um, you, you said it best. Just a dominant performance. Really made one mistake, and that's when Dak got, you know, sacked, fumbled, and they scooped it up and scored. That was, that was it. But the defense, that was the best the defense has played against a quality team this season. Now the question is, have they improved enough since that first 49ers game to close yeah. the gap? Because it was a considerable gap at that time. Uh, but I think this team has improved to and closed the gap to where they, they have a chance against the 49ers. Well, Wes, I, I, I thought it was – look, it's a very convincing product right now. And, and, and I don't look back and say, well, look, head-to-head matchups matter, obviously. But once we get to the playoffs, those games are going to be completely irrelevant. And, and as we've seen with, with the Cowboys and, and the Baltimore Ravens, two football teams that started with new play callers, their quarterbacks, and the, and the offensive huddle had to, had to – uh, create the chemistry with that play caller and, and learn a new offense and, and all the nuances of, of a new offense. And now here they are hitting full stride. It's just a very convincing product. I tell you, I loved last night they did the uh, – and it was a brief – Just I don't remember if one of the announcers made the comment, or but they were comparing uh, or, or talking about Dak Prescott and, and getting the ball out on time. And, and the, the minute that – the second that back foot hits the ground, you know, making a decision. They flash back to some of Aaron Rodgers' stuff. Um, and, and they were talking about Mike McCarthy in the West Coast offense. And, and well, then, they, then you start watching Dak through that lens specifically, man. It, it's convincing. I mean, it, it, it's really convincing. He's got, he's got a, a real grasp and, and, a, and a tremendous amount of control and understanding of what he's doing in that offense, man. And, and uh, as we said many times before, that's tough to beat, man. He's not sitting back there holding the ball, making it hard on the offensive line, and then taking a bunch of risks trying to drive the ball to the second level and even third level of the field. He's not doing that. That's not how they're winning ball games, right? They're winning ball games, uh, minimizing risk, and and that's again, it's, it's convincing. Clint Cerner joining us on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline. It's brought to you by Chris Crane Hyundai. See, it's so easy to say. Uh, let me ask you about the Kansas City play, Clint, at the end of the game. One of the more interesting finishes to a game that was negated by a penalty, toe over the line. To me, that's a play that just never should happen for a receiver. And I know Kansas City's up in arms about the officiating, but that is uh, Dr. Heal thyself, right? Yeah. I mean, you talk about a, a rookie mistake. You talk about a, um, I mean, just unacceptable mistake by Kadarius Tony. I mean, it, it was, it was, egregious he was not just it wasn't within six inches I mean he was he was on and over the line um and, and you just I mean that's since peewee football man you've been lining up in a certain spot and making sure you're off the line making sure you're you're lined up correctly with the official checking with the official you know that it, it should be ingrained in you to do that every single time that you line up to make sure uh that that 
that what happened last night doesn't happen. Um, so it's unacceptable. Uh, it wasn't just on the verge. You know, I've heard, you know, all of the, well, the referee should just warn the guy. And sure, yeah, throughout a game, if it's continuing to happen, a, a referee should warn a guy if he's close. But when, when he's egregiously, again, on the line with his foot, over the line with his head, I mean, you can't you can't let that go. Uh, it, it just you can't let it slide. At the end of the day, so um, you know, I, I think it's, it's it's Kansas City's fault that it happened. Obviously, I think it's a joke the way that Pat Mahomes handled uh, has handled it in terms of really more specifically. I don't care what he says to the media, but the comments to Josh Allen after the game, I think, mm-hmm. is an absolute joke. Um, so yeah, look, I, I don't um, you know it's 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 football. Uh, penalties negate plays all the time. Um, and when you play the kind of football that the Chiefs play, which is which is that razzle-dazzle, a lot of tempo, um, taking a lot of risk, and, and some of those highlight real tight plays are going to get called back. You're going to make mistakes. You're flying by the seat of your pants. You know, bad things are going to happen. And it's, uh, it was unfortunate because it was a hell of a play, but, mm-hmm. but I, I think it was right by the officials. And, look, I'm the first one to tell you, like, I think officials a lot of times deserve some of the, the, the criticism that they get, but this just isn't one of those one of those moments. Clint, what in the heck <laughs> happened yesterday to the Texans? It's one thing to not score much, but to give up 300 yards passing to Zach Wilson, I mean, you should almost get suspended from the league. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, that's – you're, you're, you hit the nail on the head with that part of the story. I mean, that, that this is a top-ten defense in Houston with a defensive-minded head coach that's calling plays that's been really good all year long. In fact, I mean, he's in line for, um, you know, coach of the year in the NFL. And a lot of that has hinged on the fact that, that defensively they've been a top-ten defense. And, I, and so I think there's a lot to unpack here with the Texans, but ultimately it's Zach Wilson, who's been the laughing stock of the NFL for the, a, a good chunk of two seasons now, goes in and has a career day where he throws for 300 and puts up 30 points. Um, you know, what happened defensively exactly? Um, you know, what what was the difference? And I think there's a lot of things. Uh, you know, they played a lot of zones for some reason. And it's interesting because D'Amico Ryan's this year, they've lost to the Jets. Uh, they've lost to, to Carolina and Bryce Young. And they've lost to the, uh, Ritter and the Atlanta Falcons. Mm. Uh, and and in each one of those games, the quarterbacks have had maybe not career days, all of them, but really really good days when the majority of the year they haven't. And it's it's interesting, kind of D'Amico's approach with those quarterbacks has been more of let me let me play a little bit more zone and force these guys to read it out and force them to get through their progressions. And they've been, it ended up biting him. Where against better quarterbacks, he's been uber aggressive, and they've won those games. And so, D'Amico's going to take a lot of heat this week for that for that uh, you know 70, 70 some odd percent zone and allowing Zach Wilson to to carve him up pretty good. He's going to take a lot of heat. But if you look at you look at the Texans; they're a really young football team, guys. To ask them to be consistent over seventeen weeks is is I think I think unfair. It's unrealistic ultimately. Um, they hadn't played in the elements. They hadn't played outdoors much. They hadn't played against a defense of that caliber much this year. And they came out flat and didn't answer the bell. It's simple as that. Clint Stern joining us on the Brandon Moving and Storage Hotline, brought to you again by Chris Crane Hyundai. Um, 
I was going to ask you about the NFC South, but then I thought it would be a waste of airtime. you got three teams tied at the top at six and seven. Which bad team do you think comes out of there? You just mentioned Atlanta a minute ago. Well, man, look, I, I really like Atlanta um, to start the season. I, I, did, I had no idea that, that uh, Arthur Smith, the head coach, was going to do this this quarterback carousel. I, I like Ritter. I know I know he, he, he hasn't played well all year long. He struggled at times. But I, I like Ritter as a quarterback that can win in this league. Uh, but, but the fact that they started bouncing back and forth and gone back to Ritter, and it, to me it's just there's some dysfunction in there that's going to keep them uh, from winning. And clearly with, with four teams that are all sub-500, there's dysfunction throughout the NFC South. But I, I would take – I'm going to take Baker Mayfield with those mm. weapons uh, in Tampa. I, I, I would take Baker. And, look, I haven't looked at the schedule. I don't know who has what left in the NFC South in the last month of the season, but – I would take Tampa and Baker Mayfield with those weapons right now. Okay, I like that. Hmm. Nobody's really said that. We've been talking about Atlanta or New Orleans, but yeah. you like you like uh, the Bucks. That was a good win for them yesterday. Well, you, but you, you look, look at look at what I mean. New Orleans. Say what you want about New Orleans. I mean, the, the, the team doesn't like Derek. Carr. I have a lot of things. What and I Derek, want to say. <laughs> Derek Carr is not fitting in, yeah. in in New Orleans with Alvin Kamara and some of the bigger the the, the, the bigger name guys down there. So so we'll. We'll see what comes of it. I, I've just watched their product. I'm not sold. They're, 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 the thing is, is if you look at the skilled players in the NFC South, particularly the three teams we just mentioned, mm-hmm. those receivers are absolutely through the roof. They've got some weapons at the running back position, but but they're all sub-500. So you got to pick one. And, and like I said, I, I would pick Baker and, and Tampa right now to come out on top. Yeah, it's frustrating because they do have a lot of talent in New Orleans. And – Car Car said, I think he said after the game yesterday, he's played with broken ribs three different times this year. He's had three different incidents this year, which I'm like, okay, interesting. I was more worried about the concussion, but he, uh, I mean, yeah, you got Kamara and Jimmy Graham finally got a touchdown at home. Uh, Alave's a you know one of the great rising young receivers, and if Thomas can get on the field, he's still a dangerous weapon at least, but he doesn't play very consistently. Anyway, well, it's frustrating. Kamara's a monster. He's look, the best. I, I mean, great. Look, you look at it, oh, Olave. I mean, look. I don't know. I don't know if Olave is not going to be the next guy that that, that the concussion issue is going to take him out of the league. Mm. I mean, every time you look up, he is scrambled, man. <laughs> well, uh, I like the Tampa pick. That's interesting. We'll see. Be be good storyline for Baker. We'll see if that uh, that happens. But all right, that, we spent way too much time. Sorry about that on the NFC South. My <laughs> Clint, thank you, buddy. I appreciate it. We'll talk to you Friday. Hey, always good, man. Y'all have a good one. All right, thank you.